Welcome to Healthcare is Human, a monthly podcast featuring authentic storytelling and healthcare with your host, Dr. Ryan McCarthy. Welcome to Healthcare is Human. I'm Ryan McCarthy. Let me have you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Michael Seen, orthopedic surgeon, new to the area uh, from Martinsburg, West Virginia, and uh, excited to be back here um, beginning my practice. You know, Dr. Seam, um, you and I were just spoken, or just speaking before I turned the microphone on. I made a joke that you'd, you'd walked in a big circle because um, your, your training started here in West Virginia. You went away and have come back. Um, take take uh, our listeners through some of the highlights of that journey. Sure. Well, as I mentioned, I'm from Martinsburg, West Virginia. Grew up here, went to Martinsburg High School, always knowing that I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Medicine was my calling, and early on I knew I wanted to work with my hands and and um, really get into the surgical field. So decided, you know, going to, to undergraduate school, decided to stay in the state. I went to West Virginia University for undergrad in Morgantown and then uh, continued on my journey through medical school at West Virginia. I did my first two years, um, my academic years in Morgantown and then went to uh, back to Martinsburg for my third and fourth year, what we call rotations, clinical rotations, to continue and finish off my career, uh, my medical degree back in Martinsburg. So once I completed my medical degree, uh, I was lucky enough to match into a residency program, my specialty for orthopedic surgery down at Wake Forest in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I had five incredible years at a level one academic center, lots of trauma, lots of uh, incredible experiences, and developed incredible relationships and friendships that will last a lifetime with some of my co-residents there over the five years. From there, um, I continued on to my specialty within orthopedic surgery of hip and knee replacements, and was lucky enough to secure a spot at the Anderson Clinic in Alexandria, Virginia, to specialize in hip and knee replacements, where I'm uh, happy to bring all of those talents and skills back to Martinsburg, again, where I'm from. So as you mentioned, big circle and back to right where I started. So happy to happy to provide my services to the community in Martinsburg and the Eastern Panhandle. Yeah, your story makes me smile. Obviously, uh, we're, we're colleagues. We have some personal connections outside of medicine. Maybe we'll get into that. Um, these stories make me smile because um, you and I are separated by not entirely a generation, but, but getting there. Um, I'm, I'm halfway through my career. And back in the day when I was looking at college and things like that, you know, West Virginia's brain drain was was very real then. It's still real now. Um, and, you know, I had I had Dr. Neil Bucklew at, at West Virginia University tell me West Virginia needs you. And I love saying those words to to friends and younger people. And I encourage people to come back. So um, I want to ask you in a second about why orthopedic surgery. Okay. Um, but before we get to that, why West Virginia? I can, I can see it. I can hear it. You're calling. You could go anywhere. You're now an expert. You're a subspecialist. You've got world-class training. You could literally go anywhere in the world. You chose to come back here to your hometown. Why is that? That's a, that's a great question. Um, definitely multifaceted. Um, of course, I think it probably comes down to family and lifestyle. Of course, I still have family here. Um, I'm lucky enough to say I just had our first child about a month ago. So me and my wife are raising our son, Theodore, um, with family nearby, her parents nearby, my parents nearby. And just with the, uh, the demand that this job does offer, it's nice to have family around. Um, fortunately, we have 
built-in childcare with that. And so I think family's number one. But not just the family of my, you know, own blood family. It's the family that this community has always given me from from day one. You know, I, I early on in my practice so far, I'm seeing patients that have been uh, great family friends of my grandparents, my parents, and, and even people who um, were administrators at the schools that I went to. So it's really cool to come back and have that community within the hospital. Um, as you and I were colleagues prior to me coming back, uh, I have lots of neighbors and friends who I've already received welcome messages and welcome back messages. Um, so it's made that transition that much easier. Now, coming back to Martinsburg specifically, you did mention I could go anywhere. That's true. You know, job offers were, were numerous when I was trying to decide. And one thing that I saw in my training at Wake Forest, um, a great research institution, uh, a great surgical institution where I was lucky enough to train, as well as the Anderson Clinic, which in my opinion, again, I'm lucky enough to have trained there, uh, is one of the top total joints programs in the country. What I was seeing over and over again were patients from West Virginia, patients from rural communities going to these more metropolitan areas and uh, receiving care, receiving world-class care, absolutely. But those were only the patients that had the means to do that. There were numerous patients, I'm sure, that were still stuck, kind of, you know, not getting the care that maybe that they need. Um, there are specialists in these places, and not everybody has the resources to drive an hour, two hours, three and a half hours. It, it's funny you say that because I'm going to back up, and um, that ties into a story. A friend of mine uh, was uh, uh, worked at Johns Hopkins, and long ago uh, he made a comment that, um, you know, it's one of the world's top facilities, and he said, you know, he said, I got, I got three groups of patients. He said, I got people for whom this is their home hospital. He said, you know, downtown Baltimore. He said, that's one. He said, then I have people from where you live. He points to me. He said, you know, have the, the means and the access to drive from places like this down there. That's group number two. And then they, the third group was people from all over the world who were coming to get an expert opinion, right? And that's interesting that you describe that that kind of dynamic you know, you're right. There's only a certain number of people in this community, Berkeley County, West Virginia, Martinsburg, who would have the opportunity to go down so somewhere else. So now that you're here, you bring those specialty skills here. Tell me how that's going to impact the kind of practice you want to you want to build. Sure. Well, um, when I was in residency trying to decide where I wanted my future and my career to go, um, you know, I consulted with a lot of my colleagues. And one thing that came up over and over again was the patients in a rural area, the patients in Martinsburg, even more rural than Martinsburg, in um, other counties that have less resources, they are no less deserving of expert care than anybody else, than the, those patients who live within a mile of Johns Hopkins or within a mile of the Anderson Clinic. And so what I do see my practice becoming is currently a lot of patients are required to drive to Morgantown um, for insurance purposes to have some of these more complex procedures. I'm hoping to create a little more centralized location for some of these patients to no, no longer have to make that trip to Morgantown for a complex revision or a redo of their hip or knee replacement. Um, I have that training. I have those skills from my specialty. And so, um, you know, taking some of the pressure off of Morgantown from receiving patients all over the state. I'm this little corner of the state that can now hopefully take care of some of those more complex procedures. Uh, additionally, I just 
know that I can, um, from my training, I've had excellent training to be able to, to perform a very good hip or knee replacement. And patients everywhere um, will benefit from that. Uh, by 2030, it's estimated that hip and knee replacements will increase by nearly 300%. And so there's a need everywhere for specialists in this field. For podcast listeners uh, who don't know anything about West Virginia, you know, we mentioned Morgantown. Morgantown is uh, west of where we're standing. It's about a 150-mile drive. It's over a little place called the Allegheny Front. If you're a student of American history, that is uh, a steep climb uh, that foiled many uh, of people uh, during the time of Lord Fairfax and uh, both the French and Indian War and the American Revolution. And it is a formidable uh, piece of the Appalachian Mountains. And so when you say a trip to Morgantown, in the middle of the winter, uh, if somebody breaks a hip or knee or needs something replaced, you're like, Th- that's a complete barrier, right? Like it's, like, it's like game over. That literally says that somebody can't get that care. That's absolutely correct. And so uh, driving to Morgantown in the winter, which I've done numerous times, uh, has been some of the worst conditions ever and probably unsafe for anybody to drive and try and get there. Now, in Morgantown, it is the academic institution, so it does have all of the capabilities that um, most major academic institutions would have, such as taking care of these complex patients. But it's not possible to always drive them there. It's not possible to fly them there. And patients who have access a little bit closer to home, I think that's what I have to offer them. I think that's great. I'm, I'm so excited. And, you know, um, one of the real delightful pieces of this now is, you know, so I'm, I'm clearly the gatekeeper. You know, I'm the primary care doctor. You know, people are looking at me on the front end of this. You know, and if I, if I tell a patient that somebody is, a surgeon is good at something, they want, they want that. You know, I, my patients know I'm only going to send them to people who are competent. But when then I say that somebody is competent and I know them and there's that personal relationship, it's amazing. That is all green lights for that patient. So um, I'm very excited that, you know, between you and me, we complete that kind of avenue for patients, right? Because when they walk in and you're new to them, but I've already given, you know, my gold star of approval that, oh, absolutely. You know, Dr. Seaman, I go way back. We know and I tell this story and they look and they're like, okay. Um, so that's, that's very exciting on my end of things. Yeah, you mentioned that. That's a great point. The sense of community in a small town like this is, is tremendous. And I could go be another cog in a wheel at any academic institution, at any large medical center in, in the city. And those patients need the care and the help too. But having a patient come in saying, oh, I knew your grandmother from, from church, or just the fact that we have some sort of personal connection deeper than the patient-doctor uh, relationship, making an impact in the community as a whole is, is a, a sense of accomplishment that I look forward to. So uh, all of us to go into healthcare, you know, we're fascinated by, by something or some things. Or, so I've, I asked you about why West Virginia. Now I'm going to ask you about why, why bones, why orthopedics. Um, where did that start? Um, you know, while, while, you're, while you're winding up your answer, um, when I trained in, in pediatrics, it was funny, all of the, the pediatric subspecialties, it was funny how many of them had had a pediatric problem, like, oh, I had, I had seizures, that's why I'm a peds neurologist, or I had open uh, congenital heart uh, problem, that's why I'm a peds cardiologist. Um, so it's funny how our own lives can, can do that. In your particular uh, story, what, what led you to Bones? Yeah, so that seems a little bit like a leading question. Uh, what in my past made me decide to become an orthopedic surgeon? And typically, orthopedic surgeons will point to an injury. So the youngest of three boys, I have two older brothers, I always thought I was as big and as strong as they were. 
which most of the time I wasn't, and that led me to have four broken ankles, numerous concussions, um, most of which I feel that I've recovered from altogether. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so my four broken ankles led me to my neighbor, who my neighbor across the street was uh, a local orthopedic surgeon here, Dr. Cincinnati. He knew I was interested in medicine and said when I was in high school, hey, come hang out with me one day in the operating room. And so uh, I went into the operating room, saw all of these power tools, saw the saws, drills, uh, hardware that he was working with, and that really intrigued me. Um, an interesting story, which I have not shared with Dr. Cincinnati yet, however, is uh, my very first surgery that I ex uh, experienced or was exposed to as a student. I was a high school student. It was in operating room four at Berkeley Medical Center. Then it was called City Hospital here in Martinsburg. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, about a month ago, I had my first case as an attending surgeon, as an attending physician, and that very first case in my practice was in that same operating room where this started all of it probably 15, 16 years ago. So operating room four is where I had my very first experience and my first case as, a, as an attending physician. So again, this all comes full circle, um, but but I do have to point to supportive neighbors, having having access to the medical community that um, that allowed me time in their operating room and time to mentor. That is definitely what pushed me into orthopedics. Wow, that's great. I really appreciate you uh, sharing that story. And, you know, now that you're in a small town and, you know, you've got you got your first son, Theodore, uh, I, I got to warn you about some things. Um, you know, I have I have three kids. They're much bigger, one in college, one in high school, one in middle school. And over the years, um, you know, when I've stopped at various places like the grocery store or picking something up, I have to tell you, you know, your child may say things like, Dad, do not talk to patients in the grocery store or your old teachers. Like my kids would run through this whole list of people and they would keep me on task that we're here to get whatever. Um, so <laughs> I just want to warn you what you're in for. Yeah, I, well, I already have, I already have that experience. Um, again, being from this small town, uh, typically I'm used to introducing myself as Joanne Wadsworth's son. My mom knows just about everybody in the community, and those uh, who she doesn't know, I think my father-in-law knows the other half. And so um, I know my wife and I kind of joke about this, how we were Joanne and Ken's children. Um, but moving forward, you know, I think people will start recognizing us for uh, not just that little kid that was running around daycare or running around the grocery store with their parents. Uh, you know, I think we're going to be able to make an impact in the community, and that's, um, that's hopefully where I see us headed. Oh, I have no doubt about the impact. It's, it's funny. I had, a, I had an office manager uh, one time um, express some indignation in my office that uh, she thought it was very disrespectful that so many of the patients who walked in there just called me Ryan and Ryan this, and I need to talk to Ryan. And she was like, you mean Dr. McCarthy? And um, that dynamic, I wore fine because most of those people had worked with my parents or were teachers or, you know, to them, I, I am Ryan. And, um, you know, I'm clearly comfortable with that. That's part of the reason I came back. Um, and that, that intimacy is, you know, 20 years into my journey, it's still one of the things that's so satisfying. Yeah, um, it is a hard transition when you see your high school teacher who has known you prior to any degree that you developed or, or achieved, any um, achievement that you've reached or any of your goals that you've reached, uh, that switch to now say, I'm doctor, I'm Dr. Seam, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And so, again, that sense of community, that sense of personal connection 
Um, I am your doctor, yes. I've reached those goals that I set for myself to become doctor, but I'm just another person trying to take care of you, and if you want to call me Michael, if we have that personal relationship, I'm Michael Seam, I'm, I'm Michael, I'm Mike to, to friends, family, and that's how I hope to treat my patients. So um, that's, that's a good point that you make, seeing, seeing people that, that you know and you've known before all of this, uh, before reaching all of these goals. Um, and, uh, one, one kind of, uh, report from primary care, you know, so I have, I have two brothers and, um, one of the funny experiences I have in a small town is I take care of aging patients, many of whom were teachers. Um, I find it very, <laughs> it's funny. Um, I have some teachers who have confused me with my brothers and in my office, they have told stories about, they're like, I remember when you got in trouble and I was like, no, no, that was my brother. <laughs> or like, I remember when you did this and I'm like, no, no, wrong kid. Um. It's it's fun it's funny how in 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 families uh, the the collective cultural memory can linger for a long time. Yeah, so uh, I sort of had the same experience being the youngest of three boys. Um, it was kind of easy for me. While my brothers are both probably much more intelligent than I am, they they decided to go through school without a ton of student debt like I have. They be, they uh, became bankers and started making money right off the bat and have become very successful themselves. That being said they weren't the best in school and in elementary school, middle school. So it was easy to come along and outshine them. So while maybe the two of them get confused for each other, um, I like to think that my previous teachers remember me as the good one. So, uh, Michael, what I'm hearing is that, uh, there's one Dr. Seam. That's what I'm here. I, I see you nodding. I, uh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but in all honesty, I, my brothers were my mentors. I always tried to, tried to, you know, keep up with them, whether it was in academics, whether it was in athletics. Um, and so having, having them to kind of look up to um, really helped me get to where I am. So really thankful for their relationships, their support, their continued support throughout this process. So, uh, But before we wrap up, um, I, I have to ask a question. So the pandemic came along halfway in my career. I had had a lot of miles on my tires before COVID. You were minted. You were still training. So you come out now. It's not over. We know that. But we've been through a lot. Um, what are going to be some of the lessons you take because you were minted in, in the crucible of this? The biggest disruption in 100 years. Um, I was just reflecting the other day that I remember when there were no visitors in the hospital. Um, in these, those dark days, you were training. What are going to be some of the souvenirs you take? Good, bad, I'll, I'll let you decide. But you're taking them with you. What are, what are they going to be? Yeah, it was a unique time for sure, to say the least, in, in training. Uh, everything shut down for my training um, at first for six weeks, then three months, then further and further out. So there were a lot of adaptations that literally everybody had to make. Um, some of the lessons I've learned, though, is... Everybody deserves respect and to respect one another. I think the most important thing that we've learned through this pandemic is we're all in this together. There's not a, there's not a me versus you type of mentality. It's we're all in this together. We all need to take, do whatever small or big part in this fight, in this pandemic, to make sure that, that we are all safe, that we are all um, getting the care that we need, and 
it's amazing. I think one of the major lessons is the adaptability of, of literally the world to be able to, to overcome something like this. And so the adaptability within medicine where, you know, we had to focus all of our efforts on some of the, the more medically inclined specialties, the medicine doctors, the pulmonologists, the cardiologists, the intensivist for sure, whereas orthopedic surgery, you know, I tell patients all the time, hip arthritis, knee arthritis is no fun. It's not comfortable. You're not going to die from the arthritis. You know, it's a heart attack. It's something else. It's unfortunately during the pandemic. You can live with arthritis forever. You'll be uncomfortable, but we really need to pay attention and focus on these diseases that can really have a major impact acutely to patients, to families. And so by being able to adapt, by patients suffering a little bit longer with arthritis to allow their, their friends and family to get the care that they need, I think that lesson of adaptability within medicine has been, has been huge. Um, outside of medicine, you know, the adaptability of tele, uh, um, virtual meetings, um, within medicine it's been telehealth, but virtual meetings, virtual working, remote working, it's amazing what people can still accomplish using technology to remain interconnected. Um, personal connection is, of course, important, but if we can still use technology the way it's meant to be used to help us in our day-to-day -day lives rather than separate us, I think um, just the use of technology, the adaptability, and you know, supporting one another throughout such tough times is, is what I've learned and what I think is important to take away. That's a great uh, takeaway. Uh, Dr. Seem, I, I know I'm not the first person. I won't be the last. Uh, but I want to personally welcome you home. Thank you for speaking to Healthcare is Human. Thank you, Dr. McCarthy. You've been listening to Healthcare is Human, stories from the healthcare ecosystem, ideas to change our health culture. This project was created by Ryan McCarthy. It was inspired by the hardworking staff of the Berkeley Medical Center. Be sure to check out the Healthcare is Human Facebook page to see amazing photographs by Molly Humphreys of Shepherdstown, West Virginia. You can find Molly's world-class portfolio by searching for Piccadilly Posh. Original music is by Isaac McCarthy, the one-man band. Kim Mattioli engineers the podcast. Some of our stories are featured in 100 Days in Appalachia. Check them out online at 100daysinappalachia.com. This project is supported by a grant from the West Virginia Humanities Council. Thanks to the Reed College of Media at our Mountain Mama, West Virginia University. Mountaineers go first. And remember, the next time you go to the hospital, a clinic, and urgent care, be sure to keep in mind that healthcare, healthcare is, is human. human.